woman, um, oh, just, yes, just let me just say, give a little plug for Pastor Kathy's book. It's a great book, and I, I got my copy, my copies, because I'm giving one away to a non-Christian for a, a Christmas present, but I got mine before the Tollies got theirs, and <laughs> Zach and I read it, and Zach, Zach was fantastic, Pastor Kathy. He just loved it, but it's a great story, um, a great book. It's beautif- beautifully written, beautifully illustrated, and the message is like so good for kids. There's so many conversations you can have in this book, and also great for the adult reading it for the kids. So I thoroughly recommend that book. It's really lovely and really fun too. Well, a woman woke her son up one Sunday morning because... She thought he was going to be late for church, and she was surprised because he said, I don't want to go to church this morning. Actually, I think I'm going to give up going to church. Why? Well, no one likes me. No, no one's friendly, and it's boring. Why should I go? Well, she said, because you are the pastor. <laughs> Uh-oh. Time to grow up. Also, he missed the memo about the Krispy Kreme donuts, didn't he? (laughs) But, you know, the need for Christians to grow up and mature is actually nothing new. Because many, many centuries ago, Paul said to the church at Corinth, when I was a child, I talked as a child, I thought as a child, I reasoned as a child, and when I became a man, I put away childish things. And just another great verse that, Pastor Steve just mentioned to me on the way in Ephesians 4.15, grow up in all things. That's even better. But the thing is to grow up. And that's what Paul is saying. It's time to put away your childish things. Time to talk, to think like an adult. So what sort of growing up did Paul mean? Well, I don't think that he was telling them to pick up their toys or tidy their rooms. However, Doing that stuff willingly and without any fuss is definitely a part of growing up. But no, Paul was not talking about dolls, trucks, Lego. Rather, he was addressing some problems that were going on in the church at Corinth. And he was saying, please stop carrying on like babies. And the Holy Spirit has seen fit to keep those words in the Bible for our benefit. Now, real babies, of course, are wonderful. We love them to bits, don't we? But we know that babies can be hard work. It's only a stage, but they're hard work. You're on call 24-7. They need lots of attention, and they cry and they fuss about things that seem so little to us but are big to them. They seriously believe that the universe revolves around them. And some of you have experienced not too many hours ago, that they can keep people awake half the night. But, you know, as we go through this stage, we have a wonderful Father who is there with us, who fully knows what's going on. And as Jody so beautifully brought out, Psalm 121 tells us, He who watches over you will never slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And God is with us even in those long and difficult nights. Of course, all that is perfectly okay for a baby. It's normal. 
but when you're 16, you're 25, or you're 40-year-old is carrying on like that, in any of those areas, definitely not okay. There's no shame in being a baby if you were born a few months ago. But if the babyhood goes on and on, then clearly there's a problem because being a baby is not the goal of life. Baby talk and baby ways are cute for babies, but if they don't grow up physically, emotionally, intellectually, then it's tragic. Now, if we back up a bit to 1 Corinthians 2 and 3, Paul describes three levels of spirituality. On a scale of 0 to 10, 0 is like zero spirituality. In other words, not even saved. And this is the natural man. And 10 is like the fully spiritual man, the totally mature Christian. And probably we'll all be that when we get to heaven but we're all on that journey. Our Christian life begins when we're born again, and from then on, it's supposed to be about growth. And just as in the natural, little kids have that desire to grow up, we also want to have that desire to progress and to go on in God and to grow up. I knew a little boy, three years old, and he told me that when I grow up, I'm going to have big legs like Daddy. Well, that was kind of funny because his daddy had like the skinniest legs. <laughs> but there are a couple of things to note here. Firstly, daddy was there. And daddy was the hero for his boy. Some of the baby issues that we see stems from daddy not being there. And also not being hero material. But our God is no absentee father. And, you know, when it comes to Heavenly Father, we're going to think of Jesus and God interchangeably here because that's how it works in the Bible. Jesus is not only the most wonderful hero. He went to the cross for us. He's our Emmanuel, God with us all the time. And that sure helps with the growing up. But Paul was concerned that growing up was not happening in the, Christian, in the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians 3, 1-4. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food. For you were not ready for it. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? Now, why was Paul saying that these Corinthians were infants? They were worldly, they were carnal, because they were still struggling with childish things like jealousy and quarreling. It's like, hey, he gets to sing the solos and I don't. Baby talk. They were also caught up in strife and division and following a man rather than following Jesus. They weren't applying God's word in their relationship with Jesus. Oh, sorry, they weren't applying God's word. And their relationship with Jesus wasn't making a difference in their lives like it should have. Like not enough to, to the point of changing how they got on with other people. A little boy fell out of bed and someone asked him what happened. He said, I guess I stayed too close to the getting in place. 
quite cute, but try and anchor that in your brain, staying too close to the getting in place. You know, our grandkids have sleepovers at our place, and somehow they both seem to sleep very close to the edge of the bed. And I go in at night, and I try and push them over, and, you know, especially with Zach, because he's such a tall boy, it's quite... Uh, quite an effort I push and shove to try and move him away from the edge because it's a risky place to sleep. That boy said, I guess I stayed too close to the getting in place. And doesn't that nail it? Doesn't that explain why people backslide? You know, why they never seem to get past the baby stage. They stayed too close to the getting in place. They don't move away from the edge of their old sinful life. They don't commit because growing up in God is about relationship. The Bible describes it as a marriage and that's a heavy duty commitment, being all in. You know, how do we move further in? Being committed to getting to church. Maybe it's about going through the new Christians class about getting water baptized, developing a devotional life, serving in small gr- serving, getting involved in a small group, you know, all those things about commitment going on. For some people, they're spiritual infants because they don't have that healthy appetite. You know, in the natural, if a baby won't feed, that baby's in trouble. A healthy baby has a healthy appetite and a desire to grow. Now, if a Christian has no hunger for for the Bible or no hunger for the things of God, they're in trouble. They're like the kid that's been out partying all day, you know, so full of lollies and chips and junk that they have no appetite for the healthy dinner that their mum has made for them. And there's all kinds of junk out there that will kill our appetite for God's word. You know, stuff like TV, gaming, gossip, pornography, movies, sports, entertainment, hobbies, addictions, magazines, exercise, work. And you can see that some of that is not bad stuff. Some of it's good stuff. But anything that fills us up so much that we have no time for church or the pre-meeting or the Bible or serving God is going to kill that appetite for God things. So God has to be like a priority. Got to make it first things first. When Paul urges us to put away our childish things, note too that he's talking to us, to me, to you. He's not telling us to spot the baby in somebody else. (laughs) We can all do that. That's easy. No problem there. But unfortunately, we can't change other people. I wish be so fun, wouldn't it, changing everybody else? But we can't. Even God can't do that without their cooperation. And let's be real honest here. You know, how many of us have got just one thing in our life that we'd like to change? You know, like eating, exercise, getting to bed earlier, reading the Bible. And those are just the basics, aren't they? One thing that we'd like to change. Let me ask you one simple question. How successful have you been with that one thing that you want to change? One thing in yourself. Well, if we struggle so much 
to change one thing in ourselves, what hope have we got of changing someone else who probably doesn't want to change, probably doesn't think that they need to change? Like, would that be like a fat chance or a slim hope, really? <laughs> you know, one way or the other, the best option is to let go and to let God. We've got to look inside for the baby behavior. That's our best chance of change. And that can be tricky. We've really got to see if maybe we've got some blind spots there where that stuff hides. Be open and ask the Holy Spirit to show us what we really don't want to see while I go through some of these baby characteristics. Okay, first off, selfishness. Okay, we all have to deal with selfishness. That's a human thing. But babies are very big on selfishness. <laughs> babies lack self-control, tantrums, sulking, outbursts of anger, blaming others. It's a baby characteristic. Now, obviously, no one enjoys criticism or correction, but a baby can be a, a typical chicken licken. You know, a leaf drops down on him and he thinks that the world has fallen on his head. And this is going to be a problem if you feel like we need to confront any of these baby behaviors. And that's why prayer and love can be a better option. If it really is necessary to say something, then perhaps be prepared for a raft of baby responses, blaming, anger, sulking, and so on, because a baby doesn't respond well to criticism. Babies and little children can be incredibly self-centered, attention-seeking, you know, look at me, look at me, look at me kind of thing. Um, like the person who was desperate to be on the worship team, you know, I've got to be worshiping, I just have to be up there worshiping, I've just got to worship God, please let me worship God, let me be up on the stage with the worship team singing and on and on and on. But see, worshiping wasn't the issue because you can worship from anywhere in the auditorium. The issue was a neglected and wounded inner child screaming out for attention. And that person could have been up on the stage for a hundred years and I don't think it would have made much difference. What they needed was the Holy Spirit to minister to that child. A revelation of God being their father. Maybe they need to see a counselor to help them to work through some of those issues. Jealousy is another issue for babies and they find it hard to rejoice with those who rejoice. And they've got to learn to fit into God's family where every member is equally valued and equally important. The baby Christian very much depends on others for his spiritual food. So if anything happens, he's not getting spoon-fed by others, then he's very vulnerable and can just fall away from God at that point. Babies can be touchy and cranky and get upset over little things like um, you may remember when Pastor Alan Davies told us about the engineer in his church and he left because somebody sat in his seat. Baby behavior. <laughs> Babies struggle to deal with sin. In Romans 7 verse 14 and 15, Paul said, I am carnal, sold under sin. Now, of course, we're human beings. We all struggle with sin, but your baby struggles big time to get victory over sin because he easily falls prey to lust, to pride, anger, jealousy, 
and so on. He's not onto solid food, which is about righteousness. He doesn't have that strong biblical concept of right and wrong. And Paul says, put away childish things, grow up. So how do we do that? Well, obviously, it's easier said than done, isn't it? We have to cultivate that desire to grow, to be all in, and to move away from the getting in place. Now, in the natural, babies have that hunger for food and that great desire to grow. As long as everything's going, you know, according to plan, they're eager to move on to the next phase. They can't wait to sit up. They can't wait to stand up, to take steps, to walk, and then they're running everywhere and we can't keep up with them. And, you know, oh, the joy of running alongside while a kid learns to ride a bike and then they can't wait to drive the car. And, you know, we all know what those things are like. And so babies and kids have this desire to grow and progress. And as Christians, we've got to cultivate and nurture that kind of desire. It doesn't come naturally. We have to work on that. We've got to feed it, keep it alive. William Booth's famous quote, look well to the fire of your souls for the tendency of fire is to go out. And that's got to be our lifelong goal. We've got to persist, do the hard yards, work at it, endure the tests and the trials and not get disheartened when our progress is slower than we'd like it to be. And two very important keys are patience and love. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 13. Now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. You know, when we get to eternity, we'll be finished with faith and hope, but love is forever. God is love, and this is a key characteristic. And along with good, nutritious spiritual food, it's just so vital for growing spiritual babies. What kind of love? Unconditional love. And love in three from three directions, from God, from others, and from ourselves. Matthew 23, 37 to 39. Well-known verse, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So we see here love on three levels, love for God, love for our neighbor, and love for ourselves. Love for God, that's most important, and this includes our devotional life. It's about spending time with God in the word and prayer. And as we're hearing, just being all in for God, all in and all out for the all in all, taking that next step and then the next and Keep taking them as we go forward and grow in our relationship with God, getting that daily nourishment from God's word, making it a priority. It's also about obedience. And as we heard from Mike Pilavachi, obedience is God's love language. So this is a biggie. John 14 and verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. So loving God means doing what he says. As per usual, if we're going to obey what the Bible says, we have to know what it says. We have to read it. Right. It's about relation. Loving God is about relationship, communication, and that's engaging in God's word and in prayer. So that goal is to go on and have 
that deeper walk with God, and that involves every part of our life, giving God the worship, the praise, service, obedience, honor, gratitude, just giving God everything that he deserves. Then love for our neighbor, for others. Now, we've looked at natural babies, but that's where the analogy ends because, as I said, spiritual babies are mostly adults and maybe acting like babies in one or more areas of their lives. But God is not condemning that because God knows what's happened there. But when it comes to real babies, of course, as I said, we're in control apart from the fact that we can't make them go to sleep. But, you know, these other babies are adults. We can't control adults. And so if we're going to be involved and be an agent for change, firstly, the most powerful thing we can do is pray. And then we've got to be accepting and patient because growth takes time. It doesn't happen immediately. So we need to commit to being intentional about being part of a caring community that provides a safe and loving environment where people can grow and mature. Now, we all know that one of the deepest needs of the human heart is that need to belong, to be significant, to matter. And for the child, that's supposed to happen in their natural family. And when we see these baby issues in adults, we've got to realize that maybe something has not gone according to plan, hasn't happened like it should. But when we're born again, the Christian community, the church, life group, whatever, becomes kind of our family, our Christian family, and so we've all got this part to play here. Now, most of you have probably heard this African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. And of course, we're not living in an African, in an African village, so we don't appreciate you know, that sort of full-on involvement of an entire community in raising a child, or even at times that that might be like a life and death issue. Raising a child in New Zealand is not the same as raising a child in an African village. But we can take that basic concept of community, of family, of everyone looking out for everyone else, and that's definitely gonna be a, a positive in any culture, but especially in the church, where we are a body, a family, you know, a close-knit, interconnected, sort of entity, and we all have a role in helping one another to grow up. And as such, we're going to be especially careful for new babies or for those who are wounded or vulnerable in some area. Now, if we know Christians who are struggling with some of these spiritually immature issues that I've mentioned, then of course the best thing is to pray for them. Pray specifically, pray that they will get victory over sin that they will become self-aware in areas where they need to grow up, that God will help them for inner healing, for whatever miracles that they need. Another big area is for of need is for unconditional love, patience, acceptance. And I just want to go over the story again of unconditional love. Some of you have heard the story because I've told it years ago, decades ago, I think, but I have the idea that Tark might have used it sometime in between as well, but we'll do it again anyway, um, about this young man called Larry, a, a university student. He was short, he was fat, 
He had really bad skin. He had a lisp, so he couldn't talk properly. He didn't shave or take care of himself. He didn't shower very much, so he smelt terrible too. And, of course, none of the girls at uni would go out with him because he looked a mess and he smelt bad. A counsellor at the university said that he'd never seen a young person who hated himself as much as Larry did. So he was really in a mess, this boy. One Christmas, Larry went home for the holidays, and when it was time to go back to university, his father said that he would go with him to catch the bus to the airport. So they went early in the morning, and they stood together at the corner of a certain street, waiting for the bus to take him to the airport. And while they were waiting there, six men that Larry's father worked with, six of his co-workers, walked past, and as they did, they started abusing Larry, just saying these loud, insulting things. Oink, oink, look at that fat pig, one of them said. Another one said, if that was my son, I'd be so ashamed, I'd hide him in the basement. And they just kept saying these cruel, abusive things. And when this was going on, Larry's father reached out to his son, and he hugged him, and he kissed him, and he said to him, if I lived to be 150 years old, it wouldn't be long enough for me to say how thankful and proud I am to have you for my son. Well, Larry went back to university, and he began to change. He started taking care of himself. He cleaned himself up. He went to a speech therapist and learned how to talk properly. He actually began became the president of a group at university. He got a nice girlfriend. He became a Christian. His life changed, all set in motion, because of his father's unconditional love. I reckon it must have taken Larry's father a lot of courage to show such love when his workmates were abusing his son like that. But he did it, and it turned that boy's life around. And that story just teaches the kind of love that we need to have for one another, for our own kids especially, that family love, unconditional acceptance, warts and all, helping others to grow in God, to grow in confidence, and to feel a part of the family. You know, that I've got your back kind of love. Let's start showing that love, that kind of love to other people. And then we should love ourselves. Do you know that those words, love your neighbor as yourself, are repeated seven times throughout the Bible, some in the New Testament, some in the Old Testament. When God says something that many times, it must be really important. I think our Heavenly Father knew that we were not going to be too good at that one. And the implication in this verse is that God knows that we need, God wants us to love and care for ourselves, not selfishly, not proudly, but in a good way that gives us self-respect. And also, if we don't treat ourselves well, it's not going to give a lot of hope for our neighbor. We should be as nice to ourselves as we are to anyone else. That's a challenge. Think of being a kind and caring parent to your inner child. And try and tune in to the way that you talk to, our, to yourself. I mean, some people wouldn't have a clue, but actually we do it all the time. 
tune into it, you might get a shock. shock. You might be criticising yourself harshly or calling yourself insulting names way more than you think. And you know, when you do that, it hugely affects how we feel and how we think about ourselves. A lecturer, talking about this kind of stuff, wanted his students to understand how much they put themselves down. So they had another lecture in 24 hours. He got them to put this rubber band around their wrist and told them to, you know, pull it back and flick it on their skin every time they put themselves down in the next 24 hours. When some of those students come back the next day, some of them had flicked that rubber band so often that their wrists were bruised black and blue. And they said they had no idea, no idea that they were putting themselves down like that or that they were so down on themselves. Now, most of us would never be that mean and nasty to anyone else. So why would we do it to ourselves? We've got to learn to love ourselves. Proverbs 22 and verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Maybe we should try training our own inner child. Gently, respectfully, training ourselves in things that we've missed out on. To be nice to ourselves. Thankfulness, work on a gratitude diary. Practice being kind to yourself. Be generous and give 10% of your pocket money to God. Self-control. Don't swear and throw things around. Be a good loser. Practice, practice, practice. You know, and sometimes, as I've mentioned, loving ourselves means making an appointment to see a counsellor, to work on some of these father and inner child issues. We have to ask God to show us and to be open to his leading on what we need to do to heal our broken hearts. Our Heavenly Father knows and he cares. Time to put away these childish things, to grow up. And so let's be intentional about moving far away from the getting in place going on in righteousness, being more like Jesus, being intentional about being that loving, caring family for others. You know, on, on Thursday night, Pastor Brendan said you can have as much of God as you want. Just such an inspirational statement. And those words give us such hope and so much motivation because we can pray for a passion to follow hard after God and also pray for a revelation of him as our father and become strong, healthy Christians going on together. So let's just pray. Father, I thank you that you truly are a good father, a caring father. And God, for everything that's gone on in our lives, you know you care. You know why we are the way we are. And Father, I just pray that you will pour in, Lord, the soothing balm of your Holy Spirit, Lord, through each of our lives, bringing healing, bringing wholeness. And Father, I pray also that you would give each one of us a passion, Lord, to follow hard after you, to know you in your fullness. 
And God, that you would also give us, Lord, that revelation that you are our Father and the kind of Father that you are. Oh God, that we would be all that you want us to be. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Bless you.